Good morning. It's rainy and wet outside. What are you guys doing here? You're supposed to say, oh, no, 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 I don't want to go today. Oh, no, no, uh-uh. Now you guys. We have great ushers, don't huh? we? We, we have do great have great ushers. ushers. But you know, this is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to get up and worship the king. I'm going to do it corporately because he commanded it to he commanded us to do it. So amen, guys. Understand, I have stepped in, and I'm in the will of God this morning. Is that a good feeling? That's a good thing. You're in the will of God this morning. Praise God. There you go. I gave you a platform for an announcement. <laughs> Great. All right, we have one very exciting announcement. We are doing a parenting conference. I hope you got a flyer on your way in. Grab a couple, invite some friends. This is Pastor Terry and Tracy Darnell. So some of you may recognize the name. He was the youth pastor at Family Life Lafayette, where Stephen kind of grew up in ministry. And then he church planted in Sugarland, Texas. And so that's where Stephen was working when we got married. And the first four years of our marriage was serving under Pastor Terry. And so he has three almost grown children. And they just have a lot of parenting wisdom. So it's really exciting. He just authored this book, Packing for Life. And he's put together these weekend conferences. So it's a Friday through Saturday. And then he'll finish off speaking on Sunday morning as well. And so it's a great opportunity to invite friends. We all know people who are young in parenting. And oftentimes this is a great way to invite people to church who might otherwise not come. So I'm looking forward to this conference. I think Pastor Terry and Tracy have so much wisdom to share with us. So this would be a great thing to come to yourself and invite others to. Yes, for sure. This is a felt need in our society and culture. And this is also a need that um, the culture in Kadiana can't meet through, through Catholicism only because the priests aren't married and they don't have kids. They don't understand. You have to walk that road. So I would highly encourage you to get your young families, your neighbors, say, look, I know you need parenting help because I do. <laughs> I have a degree. That don't matter. I need parenting help. So those felt needs in our society, it's a great way to outreach. And for us personally to say, I want to be a better parent. Amen? Amen. All right. That is it. Every Sunday in January, I take about half the sermon time to kind of do a state of the church address. Hey, this is where we are. This is what God's done. Let's celebrate it. Let's look forward into 2020 about what God's going to do. So I want to give you kind of an overview and celebrate today God's goodness and God's faithfulness in 2019. You always stand in time looking backward and forward. Don't ever say, well, I'll just forget what's behind. Behind is the faithfulness of God for 20 years. What do you stand on? Behind is your salvation etched in stone, a pen of iron for eternity. You better know that's there. Amen? So you look both places. You say, oh God, you've been so faithful and so good. Therefore, I have great confidence and great courage going forward because he's been faithful. Come on. We understand that. So let's look at this. We're going to look back into 2019 and look forward into 2020. God's been so good in 2020. Let me give you a review. We added over 20 people in this church in 2019. Don't realize I put the numbers to it. And uh, if you were not a member here in 2018 and you became a member at some time in 2019, raise your hand. Got some in the back right here. You were not right there. Yep, right there. 
and there are several others that are not here, became members in 2019. We added a new worship leader. Come on, praise God. (laughs) Praise God. Y'all have no idea how hard it was on me. (laughs) It was like trying to to play uh, uh, tennis, and every single match, your partner's a new one. And they may not even speak English. <laughs> and you're like, ah, uh, you get it, I get it. <laughs> Praise God that Johnson's such a huge blessing, Taylor, to myself and the whole church. We strengthen marriages with an eight-week marriage class. We started quarterly women's events that are set and as an outreach and for our church. Uh, my men's group. I started a men's group. Really, it was just a pair group. That when we, the first event we ever had at this church, before there was even electricity, it was an empty warehouse. It was four of us in here praying. It was only men. My greatest memory thus far of this church. That regular group that meets every Wednesday morning, often I would be by myself. There'd be one person, two. We average six to ten guys seeking the Lord every Wednesday morning, praying, studying the word. It's fun. It's joyous. Hey, that's men getting together seeking God. Amen? That's a great testimony. This year, I say that because this year it's really grown and matured um, in every facet. That's every Wednesday morning. We had no less, these are the most conservative numbers, no less than 21 and a half hours of corporate worship, no less than 52 hours of corporate Bible study or exploration, no less than 150 hours of corporate prayer, no less than 60 hours of children being taught the Word of God. Come on. Come on. Amen. We started a foundations land fund, and I'll be happy to announce that we have raised in 2019 over $10,000 for that land fund. Come on. Praise God. We didn't have anything when we started. Over $10,000, and we're going forward continuing that. With that, we are actively looking for land with multiple sources, through multiple sources, and this year has helped me to hone in a little bit what we really need and may not need. Uh, trying to hone in the area, the type of land. I thought, well, we need 10 acres. Well, 10 acres is a lot of money. You know what? You can build two buildings. Like Terry, we're talking about Terry Darnell. I was talking to him. I said, hey, how much land do y'all have? He goes, we have seven acres. How much do No, nine acres. I'm sorry. We have nine acres. He says, how much do you use? Five and a half. So you have two buildings on five and a half, 200 uh, parking spaces, and a beautiful uh, second building. He's like, yeah, we use five and a half acres. I'm like, okay, let me hone in and learn so we're actively looking for land, and uh, every day, every month, we get a little closer to what we know we need, and God has the supply out there for us. Missions in 2019, we gave right at $15,000 in missions in 2019 to five different missionaries and local missions. Now, if you remember, if you have a super amazing memory, that's less than we gave last year. But the missions fund right now is not at zero. See, everything that comes in this church, we're tithing church. 10% is untouchable. It goes to missions. There's money in that right now. We didn't, we didn't normally almost zero it out every year, but I said, you know what? Let's just put it in there. The Lord will speak to us. The Lord will direct us what he wants us to do with that missions fund this year. Amen? So that's good. 15000 given, and there's money in the missions fund. And with that, let me just give you a highlight of our missionaries so you understand what, we're, uh, what they do and what they're about. There's several pictures here I'm going to show you. This is South Africa. This is Rich and Michelle Franzen. They just celebrated uh, 15, 14 years in South Africa. They, uh, South Africa has millions of Af- uh, refugees from all over the world, come, from all over, excuse me, Africa, because it's the most stable country, 
come into that country because of war torn all over. He's from upstate New York. God called him there. I've worked with him before. He's a great man of integrity, a great, uh, just a great guy. They're doing a great work there. Missions, evangelism. They have multiple schools, a baby rescue, all those things they do. So I got an email from this guy at the end of the year during Christmas, and the email was about a matching fund. Actually, I think it's on the next picture. Okay, so this, they're, they're hiring too. This is so great. Their missionaries are hiring because the ministry's growing. Isn't that great to hear? Like we need positions. These are the things we need because we're growing. I love to hear that. I want to hear businesses grow. I want to hear all that. But when I got this email, I'm like, hey, the missionary organization's growing. Woohoo! Look at this next one. This is more career info and, and, and people they're looking for. So you want to go to South Africa? There you go. All right, so this is celebrating 15 years. Over the 15 years, uh, 142,000 salvations, over a half a million face-to-face conversations. They've had a lot of healings. People in Africa are spiritual. They believe God heals because they have nothing. There's no hospitals, hardly ever. The squatter camps will have 200,000 people, and there's one water spigot. I've been there. They trust God. That's all they've got. That's one of the main reasons for healing. So he, I got this email from him right here, Double Your Impact. So they got a, um, a matching fund that if so they raise however much they raise, up to $100,000, someone would give $100,000. Those are always good. You double your, your money right there. So we had money in the missions budget. I said, you know what, we're going to send him a gift on top of our monthly, what we sent him. So we sent him a gift, and this is just the way he is. I want you to uh, count the exclamation points for me. Brother Steve, four exclamation points. Bro, you guys, thank you so much for your gift to our ministry. Six exclamation points. So appreciate long-term brothers. You got to listen to the way he talks, too. He's, he's intense, and he's bigger than me. He talks like this. So appreciate you, you brothers, long-term, still serving Jesus passionately. Two exclamation points. Keep up the great work, exclamation point. How many is that? How many? Thirteen. I'll go with the math teacher. Thirteen. Now, I'm going to tell you, you got 13 exclamation points from a missionary in South Africa. That's a good year. Come on. Praise God. You got 13 exclamation points. You'll never meet this guy until heaven. And he's going to walk up to you and hug you until you have no air left in your lungs. And he's going to give you 13 exclamation points. Come on, Jesus. Is that good? Praise God. Oh, wait, I didn't count the header. Four more. Thank you so much. I didn't count that one. <laughs> How many is that? 17? Yes. I, I'm not kidding. There are 17 exclamation points in this two sentence. And he even, he, yeah, in this two, three sentences, in three sentences in the header, 17 exclamation points. He, I told you he was an intense guy. I told you. All right. So that's Rich and Michelle. A Dominican Republic. This, they came here in June. They spoke here. This is Terry and Chad Nelson and their little precious daughter. They have transitioned. It took them seven years to go from missionary associates to full-time missionaries. They run the schools there, the 16 schools that are connected to the churches. And now they are full-time, uh, they call them full-time missionaries, where they were missionary associates. Now they will be able to create their own ministries and mold it the way they want to. Listen, if you're faithful for seven years, I think you're qualified. Amen? Seven years of serving, of working hard in the Dominican. This is one of their big projects. So you cannot drink the water in Dominican like most of Central and South America. You'd be very sick. But he 
Terry found this filter. I think I had mentioned this, or he had mentioned this when he came in June. They found this cheap filter that filters the water, and they can put them anywhere. That's revolutionary. We don't think about it because we can drink, drink out of the tap. But imagine you do not open your mouth when you take a shower or a bath. You do not open your mouth and never go to a hose. If you've done missions, you understand that. You never drink out of the faucet. You have to boil water very, very well. That's a, that's a difficult life. So they created this filter that you can drink it right out of the tap. And it's like a $50 filter, and you just replace the filter every few months. Now, this was the funny. He told me about this story. He said it took him 15 minutes for the kids to drink the water. He said they did not believe him. They were so scared. There's like no way. So he would go up, and he drank it, and he drank it, and he said, see, see. So this boy was brave. This is the great faith boy. He walked up, and he's the one who drank it for the first time. Now, the kid with the, the lace bag, he thinks somebody's going to be real sick real soon. <laughs> he has no faith. You can see, like, ah, there's no way. You paid for some of those. You need to understand this is one of the reasons you're a member of a local church. Because missionaries cannot function without the local church. Paul, what did he say over and over when he was doing missions work? Who supported him? Who helped plant the churches? Read through the New Testament. Who did it? It was the local churches. We're not Paul's. But gosh darn it, we're going to supply and support and pray for the Paul's. Amen? This is what we do. That's God's calling for us. And it's a great and holy calling. All right, let's keep going. we got several to go through here. Spain. This is Ryan and Christy Thomas. They are personal friends of mine. I worked at the same church he did in Colorado. Uh, he was here uh, 2018. But they're in Spain. They've started the work. Uh, wonderful evangelist, highly intelligent, highly qualified, the funnest guy you will ever hang around uh, is Ryan, but the funniest, funnest guy you'll ever get to hang around. So let me show you, this is on the other side of the world. So we've been from South Africa to Dominican Republic, and we're going to go all the way across to Europe to Valencia. Let me show you this, the third largest city in Spain, next to Madrid and Barcelona. Valencia, Spain on the coast. This is called the Graveyard of Missions. Less than 1% Christianity. Less than 1% of people there are Christians. So he is going to plant a church right there in the middle of town. He is going to do a great work because I know because God's called him to do it. He told me about what God showed him in the vision he had of Valencia. Can we support that? Praise God and amen. All right, let me show you uh, next. Russell and Charlotte Linscombe. That's him standing up in the middle, and I show you that picture because that's his life right there. Indigenous peoples in the southernmost part of Mexico, he builds churches just like that. They've built hundreds all over the mountains there, and that's pretty much the way he looks. He's been working all week, then he puts on his church clothes to dedicate a church. That's Russell and Charlotte Linscombe. They're local. They're from Rain. You may have known them or know their uh, name. So they have been missionaries for over 25 years there. 25 years faithful, sowing, um, raising up leaders. They also have a Bible college there. It's such an amazing man and woman of integrity. About the greatest couple of integrity and consistency. An introvert, quiet. Um, in fact, he's so quiet, I'm like, you have to talk louder. What? What? But God has used him to do great things. So we support that. And here's our last one. This is Paul Gonzalez. The reason he's pictured with me is because there's not very many pictures of him. I saved him for the last for a reason because 
Um, he is definitely the least qualified of all the missionaries. The other ones have big organizations, training, degrees, uh, and, and they have big ministries, these other missionaries. It's very, uh, you know, known in their websites, and they have multiple churches that support them, but not this man. This man's on the border of Mexico, where I met my wonderful wife. He has no training. He is part of no missions organization. He has, good, he has a good reputation. I've known him for years. He feeds children, builds homes for widows and orphans, and he's 72. This picture was taken, taken a year and a half ago. And uh, when I met with him, that's Vermilionville. When I met with him, he said, Stephen, listen, I, uh, he just comes through I-10. He you know, does different things. He's always gathering supplies and bringing them back and feeding kids and building homes. I met with him. He said, Stephen, look, I had a stroke and I lost some of my short-term memory. If I repeat myself or forget what I'm saying, just tell me. <laughs> oh, this guy, this is a modern-day Paul. So I'm getting ready to do this right here. On, I'm studying on you know, Wednesday, and I'm thinking, oh, wait, this is a thought that goes through my head. I haven't spoken to Paul in almost a year. This is my first thought. He may not be alive. I'm serious. I thought, he's 72. He may be dead. I don't even know. And I'll rejoice when I hear it because his race will be finished. But that was my thought. And I thought, well, you know, I'm not the closest to the family. or They may not send me a text. So before I could even show you this, I had to send him a text. Hey, brother, how you doing? Really asking, you still kicking? <laughs> That's what I thought. You still with us, brother? You're in heaven. Oh, Paul, here we go. Stephen here in Cajun country, just checking to see how you're doing and your wife. We love you. 2.02 p.m. Praise God, he's still kicking. <laughs> Thank you and God bless you. We are doing well. We have just built. Number 565 houses now. It's an 8 by 12. I built 14 of them. Just metal roof, but a slab. Gets them up off the ground, gets them out of the, the weather. This year, we already have 14 houses committed and, and have built five of those, 14. In fact, we are building one of those homes for a widow who has three kids. She is young and works at an EXO, it's a gas station, but struggling. We are thankful for your support and those of the other American brothers sending blessings. You see, that's why you're part of a local church. Because a man you never meet will come give you a hug one day. And so will many others you have no idea about. We actually get to see pictures and kind of interact. How do you think the New Testament church felt? All they had was a name. All they had was a story from Paul saying, let me tell you about Antioch. Let me tell you about Macedonia. Let me tell you about Ephesians. Let me tell you how these people love you and what they're doing for you. And they said, okay, thank you so much. It's so encouraging. We'll never meet them. They're all together and for about 2,000 years have been partying and thanking God. Amen? Do you want to be a part of that? Praise God. You are. You are. All right. That's Paul. We'll see if he's still alive next year. <laughs> I'll send him a text. You still with us, brother? God has been good in 2019. Let's look forward for 2020. And we walk in 2020 
with more faith and more trust because we don't have just 2018 and 17 and 16. Now we have 2019 in addition. Now that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us throw off all the sin that entangles and his faithfulness in looking at this. And now I have more faith. I have more confidence. And that's why Paul said I can go from glory to glory. For yet another year he's been faithful and I can serve him and I can do things for him and I trust him more. Amen? That's where we're going. That's the attitude of Christianity. That's what we do because we encounter him. We experience him with brothers and sisters in the Lord, and we can go forward day by day, week by week, building a biblical community, one family at a time. Our prayer and Bible study is at an all-time high. I told you we broke records for church prayer and fasting with numbers. Uh, I tell you one of the great things, too. Our relationships here have gotten closer because I know you're spending more time with people and friends outside of these four walls. And I know that we're growing closer together as a body. Praise God. Outreach and discipleship. We already currently are doing art club right now and outreach every Wednesday. It's happening in the children's ministry and it happens for several weeks. February 28th and 29th, parenting conference and outreach. Celebrating a big five-year anniversary in Mid-March, we truly are building a biblical community, one family at a time, where people know God, grow in community, and go near and far. Amen? Amen. Amen. There it is. There, that's the spiel in a nutshell. We can't, y'all could stand up and do testimony after testimony of God's goodness and God's faithfulness. And it's never without difficulty and trial. It's all mixed together. It's always wheat and tares. But God is so faithful. Light afflictions. All right, Let, uh, let's honor the word of God. Luke 19. So we sought the Lord in 2019. We saw his faithfulness. We're going to seek him in 2020. Luke 19, very simple, short, 9 and 10. This is the end of the story of Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector, who was in a Levitical city in Jericho as Jesus was passing by because it was a Levitical city. It was highly spiritual. It was, it was like the buckle of the Bible belt. It was like Tulsa. It was like Colorado Springs where you got like Compassion International and, family and uh, Focus on the Family right in between each other. You got all these. It was a highly spiritual environment except for one person who was the thorn in the flesh of the Levitical city, Zacchaeus, the traitor chief tax collector who that city hated because not only did he pull the money from God's people, he actually also pulled it from the Levitical city, from the temple also. So as Jesus passes through Jericho and all of the uh, camaraderie and all of the hullabaloo going on, Zacchaeus wants to see what it is. You know the story. He climbs up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. That's actually not in the Bible. I just did the song. Sorry. <laughs> the song just popped into my head. I was like, wait, the Bible doesn't rhyme like that. <laughs> but it's still biblically accurate, right? Hey, that word sticks in you when you're a little kid. For the Lord he wanted to see. Climbed up in the sycamore tree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Jesus encounters him. He calls him by name. I'm coming to your house today. He's in the house, and people are complaining because Jesus is eating with not a sinner, the sinner of the Levitical city in Jericho, the Hitler of his time, the one who the Jews had a bullseye on. 
He's in that house. So now we find our text in Luke 19, 9 and 10. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. So let's look at this here. And Jesus said to him, this is an emphatic and a public declaration. He's, of course, talking to him, but you know the house is full. We know that the Bible tells us. We know that it's so full inside with people who want to be there and with Jesus and people who are complaining about the whole thing that's going on. Wherever Jesus is moving, don't be with a group that's just griping about it. Don't be in that group. I've been in that group before. I don't want to be in that group. I want to be in the group where Jesus is. I may not understand it all. I may not even agree with it. But I'm not going to be in the group that's just griping and complaining and bickering. Because you know what? Jesus isn't in that group. He's saving, seeking and saving the lost in the other group. Amen? So Jesus stands up. Looking, it's, he, the, the attitude of the Greek is that he's speaking authoritatively, emphatically. He's not whispering to Zacchaeus. This is not a a one-on-one conversation. It's public. It is a public declaration. And Jesus said to him, Whoa, Jesus. Why are you being so emphatic? Why are you drawing such a line in the sand on him? He didn't do that with Nicodemus, who came to him at night and was a secret disciple and wanted to know about Jesus and the kingdom of God, and they talked. That was hush-hush, quiet, and private. Why is it so emphatic with with Zacchaeus? Well, then the verse before us, before it tells us why. Luke 19, 8. It tells us why Jesus is like this. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, look at me. I'm drawing a line in the sand. Here you are here, surrender out of my mouth. Faith has filled my heart, and now actions will proceed immediately. For if I am filled with faith, as according to James says, I'll be filled with actions. Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything, and here's all the witnesses... This is no backroom deal. If I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I will restore it times four, which is the Roman law and the Jewish law together. I'll cover it all because I'm under Roman rule and I'm still a son of Abraham under Levitical law. One more scripture and it will become very clear. Matthew. 1033. But whoever denies me before men, him will I also deny before my Father who is in heaven. I don't want to be in that group. Next verse. Verse 34. Oh, I don't have it there. But I got a Bible. Praise God, I got a Bible. Verse 32, excuse me, it's the one before. 
Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father is in heaven. Why did Jesus get up so publicly and assert this in front of everyone? Because Zacchaeus had already done it. And what Zacchaeus sowed out of his mouth and in front of Jesus, Jesus said, All right, you're about to reap a harvest. You're about to reap what you've sown. Please understand, we always reap what we sow. If you are afraid, if you struggle in fear, God cannot use that because you're not sowing in confidence and in faith of him. That's why we want you to be free from fear. We want you to be free from depression and free from these things so you can sow. You can't sow what you don't have, right? So Jesus says, all right, Zacchaeus, you've met me. You've proclaimed me before men. Now I'll get up in all authority and I'll proclaim salvation right in your face and I'll silence every other voice. That's what God does. Number one in your notes. God gave you your personal testimony for all to hear. Zacchaeus did it for all to hear. Jesus did it for all to hear. See how he meets us there? He was not going to leave Zacchaeus' proclamation just dangling out there. It would be awkward. I hope none of you have ever experienced this. Maybe when you were young and you were in your first relationship and you said it too early. I love you. And the person on the other end just went, Okay, is that horrible? I hope none of you have ever experienced that. But maybe someone in this room has. Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't leave a proclamation about him. And faith coming out of your mouth toward him, he doesn't leave that empty. He cannot deny himself. His word cannot return void. Amen? So God gave you and me our personal testimonies for all to hear. This is what's going on with Zacchaeus. This is why we seek him the way we do. You can get that song ready. Found something in history I didn't know about, and it's sad somewhat, but it's quite amazing at the same time. Make sure I get my history questions right. Because someone's going to get an email if I get them wrong. If I say a date wrong or something, I'm going to get an email. So, <laughs> William R. Featherton. You ever heard of that guy? Probably not. I never had either. <laughs> the reason is because he died at a young age before his 27th birthday. According to my research, it took me about an hour. I could not find one existing picture of him because he was born in 1846 and he died in 1873. He was born in Montreal, Quebec, Canada, to a Christian home, a family, Methodist. He was never married, as I said. There's no surviving history written of him except one thing. We only have one thing that he wrote and sent to his aunt. It was a poem upon his conversion. It's the only history we have for it. I want you to listen to these words and read them, and then I'll tell you when he wrote it. 
just about a minute of these now famous words from Mr. Featherton. to the rest of those verses. It was not a song originally. It was a poem. It was sent to his aunt in California, who, when she found it, got it published in a hymn. It became famous because Mr. Gordon, who started Gordon College, the great hymn writer and the great uh, musician, put words to it. None of that is the most profound thing. The most profound thing about that, only piece of verified history that we have from William R. Featherton, Featherton, who has no lineage that exists because he died at such a young age before. We, we don't know how he died. It was of a sickness. He was converted right after his 12th birthday, and he wrote that before he was a teenager. History puts it at the latest at 16, but according to his pastor who was there, it was before he was 13 years old. It is the only piece of information we have. For 150 years, it's been sung by millions. It's been recorded over 200 times. It is the only testimony from a little boy who no one ever heard about that echoes through eternity because God gave him this testimony. And it starts off with what beautiful words, I know that thou art mine. He knew salvation. It came strongly and deeply into his heart. And he said, here it is, Lord. Here's my life. And God takes it and says, okay, Zacchaeus. Okay, William Featherton. We will proclaim this throughout history. Amen? Do not think your testimony is some trite thing. Young Mr. Featherton had no idea that that song would be sung by millions for 150 years and is still sung. Uh, Cast and Crowns just recorded a new version of it in the last year. It's still one of the most popular hymns that's ever existed. God has given you his word, his experience. He's put his Holy Spirit in you, and it is for people. It is for the public. Understand it was for Zacchaeus. Understand he's proclaimed salvation over you, and you need to step forward and say, God, this is who you made me. I will proclaim it because you told me to. Amen? Verse 10. 
We're back in Luke. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Why? Why has salvation come to this house? Salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. Now, just for time's sake, if you read the New Testament multiple, multiple times, the Bible says, and Jesus knew their thoughts, and Jesus knew the intentions of their heart, and Jesus knew what they were thinking, and right? he, even in a group, he would know this is what they were thinking. So we don't have a clear salvation statement except for what Zacchaeus said before, but it's Jesus who's proclaiming his salvation. Anybody knows, is Jesus a liar? No, Jesus is proclaiming what Zacchaeus maybe couldn't, what he couldn't communicate perfectly. All he was a numbers guy, and he was talking about how, look, I know that I've given my life to you, Jesus, because everything I have, all the greed, everything in my heart's gone, now I just want to give. Where I, I used to be mastered by greed, now all I want is generosity. Where we used to be mastered by passions, now he's just passion to give. Where he was a sinner when he came in the house, now he's a saint. So Jesus knows he's saved, obviously. That's why he makes this statement, salvation is in your house today, because he also is a son of Abraham. Well, to understand this, let's read Romans 4, 16 through 19. This is the ESV version. That is why it depends on faith, for in order that the promise may rest on grace, and be guaranteed for all his offspring, not only to the uh, adherent of the adherence of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us. How many? Not just Zacchaeus. How many? All. We all function in Abraham's faith because it was accounted to him for righteousness when he believed the word of God, and that's salvation. When we believe the word of God, that we're sinners separated from God, that we have to have Jesus, we must have a Savior, we say, I'm done. Forgive me, I'm done. I fall on my face toward you. It's accounted to us for righteousness. Let's keep reading. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Verse 18. In hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told. Look at someone and say as he has been told. So shall your offspring be. We deeply in everything that God has said written and rhema to you. You need to your life should say as I have been told. As I have been told. That's what Abraham's life was. As I have been told. Number two on your notes. The Abraham approach must be our attitude. The Abraham approach must be our attitude. It is our attitude at salvation. Is that correct? Is that right? The Abraham approach, I'm justified by... By God through faith alone. That is our attitude at salvation, right? That never changes. If you have a demonic attack, it's to change that. 
If you're pulled by the lures of this world, it's to change that. If you are enticed, frustrated, depressed, whatever you're dealing with, it is to change that. Because that is the eternal seed put by the Holy Spirit, right? And that is always the pull on your life, as he had been told. All right, one more. Let's keep looking here. Back in Luke 19, 10. Verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek. Come to seek and to save that which has been lost. So this is where it's good to look a little deeper into the Bible. New Testament, of course, written in Greek. The Greek word is zetio. To seek in order to find, to inquire about, to desire, to strive after. I like this one, the last picture of it. To crave, to crave something. It's the picture of having a growling stomach. Yeah, I've been there, huh? Oh, you're there right now. <laughs> Come on, David. It's growling. To cr- you're not supposed to laugh that hard at that one. You're, it's growling, and when it starts growling, cravings start coming, don't they? Oh, they get relentless, too. Do they go away after 15 minutes? No. They go away after Sunday church? No, not until you get to the... They don't go away until you get to the restaurant, right? Till you get home, and that crockpot's all perfectly ready. Thank you, Jesus. Crockpots. To crave. Jesus said, I crave the lost. I seek them in such a way that I'm not satisfied until I have them, until I've left the 99 and I have found my one. The growling, gnawing stomach in me, I'm craving them. I thought, now that is what I want for 2020. I want that, Lord. I want that. And Lord, I don't want it to go away after prayer and fasting. Lord, I don't, I don't want it to go away after Sunday church. Lord, would you give me that gnawing craving? Lord, would you give it to me like the missionaries? Lord, would you give it to me like the Holy Spirit does? Would you give it to me like this, Lord? Number three on your notes. Consistent pursuit of the lost is Christ's heart. As consistently as we need to eat. Not a hobby, not an interest. Not a curiosity, but a desire craving for them. Let's stand up. This is the thing about a craving. There's good and there's bad. It's okay and holy and righteous to have deep cravings where God wants us to have them, right? A craving for unity in your family, a craving and a, a gnawing for the things of God, for right relationships. It's okay to be super hungry and say, I, I'm hungry. We want that. Without food, you die. <laughs> so God is saying right here, I'll give you a craving like I have for the lost. I'll give you this gnawing, this craving. In fact, 
we have the ministry of craving. It's in the Bible. This is our last scripture. This is 2 Corinthians 5.18. Let's look at it. 5.18. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the what? The craving, the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to who? Who? Us! The word of reconciliation. And we just need to crave it. He's given it to us. Let's crave it. Amen? Let's crave it. We're going to crave it. So we're going to ask the Lord for a craving this, this morning, that we would crave the desire for the lost. I'm asking the Lord for that in 2020 in a greater way in my life, in a greater way. Come on, let's spend our last few minutes with the Lord. Come on, let's come to him. I tell you, the, the Bible tells me that if I'm, I come to the Lord and ask him for a, stone, for a fish, he don't give me no stone, right? That's what he says, when I ask according to his will, I get it. This craving's from the Lord. Let's get that. Let's get that in our last few minutes. Let's come to him, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord, for saving us. Thank you that we have a personal testimony. Oh, thank you for William Featherton, Lord. He had a great one. Lord, that testimony even speaks now. Oh, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off every sin that entangles and Lord, let us run. Lord, and let us do it the way Abraham did it. As you have said, so we believe. So Lord, right now, as a congregation, as individuals, as families next to you, Lord, give us a craving. Give us a craving like Jesus stood with Zacchaeus and said, Today salvation has come to your house. For the Son of Man craves the lost. He came to seek and save those that are lost. Ask the Lord for that. Let's ask Him all together. Father, would you give us a craving? Lord, would you give us a craving? Lord, we thank you that we can support missionaries, that we can, we can do outreach, that we can have a church, Lord, that we can buy materials for the kids, and we can do everything. Lord, give us a greater craving even. Lord, we want to do more in 2020. Lord, you were faithful in 2019. I know you'll be this year. Lord, give us a craving as a church for the lost, for the things of God, that we could say, I seek after the lost. I'm going to ask the Lord for it. Ask the Lord for it. Just talk to Him. Worship Him. Pray. Pray to Him. Yes, Lord. Thank you for craving. Yes, Lord. Thank you, God. Oh, you're so good.